0: Hey, parents, if you've ever wondered, what do you do with your kids from the moment they get home from school until dinnertime and how to fill those hours? This is the podcast for you. I'm Tim Wright. I am here with Dr. Michael Gurian. We are bringing you the Wonder Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, and we are going to tackle another one of your questions here in a moment. Michael, uh, it's good to have you with us as always. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you. And we want to, uh, give, again, as we always do, give a, a word of thanks to Dr. Greg Jantz and the people up there at the Center of Place of Hope. With 37 years of leadership in mental health and behavioral health, the Center a Place of Hope is a top 10 facility for depression treatment they're caring and experienced staff, provide professional excellence in the treatment of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, trauma, addiction, abusive relationships, and more. You can learn more about them at wonderparenting.com. And you can also learn more about our other sponsor, and that's Man Cave. Men all need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. And their mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the number of children growing up with engaged, committed, and responsible fathers or male role models. More information dot wonderofparenting.com. We hope you'll check them out. Go to our website, and there's some great information. There are other resources for you as well. So I believe I pulled this one off of our Facebook page. If you're not a part of the Wonder of Parenting Facebook group, just go to Facebook, uh, type in Wonder of Parenting, hit the join link, and I will let you in as soon as I get the notification for that. And this is the question. I thought it was a really good one. I'm Michael and I are both way beyond these after-school years. But we remember them. And um, uh, so here's the question. I'm looking for suggestions on managing the 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. time. The kids come home from school, and my youngest, nine-year-old, is so tired. Her mood is low, draining, and annoying. They would love to just watch TV, and sometimes I let them lately. It's cold, and it's dark, and now my energy is low during these times. So this is written, uh, as we're recording this now, we're in the month of December. I work out, listen to music while cooking, or go for a quick walk to get my energy stable, but they are resistant to my type of activities. The thought of adding chores into their after-school routine overwhelms me because they resist, and I'm often running out of patience at this time of day. They have swim team twice a week and theater one day. They have steady bedtimes and sleep uh, from 8.30 to 6 a.m. or 6.30. Thoughts on how to have various forms of rest that are truly rejuvenating for kids after school. What a great Mm. question. I mean, every day parents are wrestling with that. What do I do with my kids? They're tired after school. We still got life to live, homework to do. All right, Michael, your wisdom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You always give it to me. Yeah. Listen, I, I am so, um, I'm so I'm I'm glad that this question was raised. I'm honored that it was asked and appreciate this person because so many people can, can relate. So, um, I I would say maybe it's possible that 90% of people can relate, you know, somewhere out there, maybe 10% of kids or whatever they are, they just are so self-motivated, you know, um, or maybe it's 20%, but I, I do think 70, 80, 90% of parents can relate because the thing the things that they're trying, they hit a wall on the things that they're trying. And so I I my suggestions, I'm gonna give some specific suggestions, but I also think in an overarching way, I think that the parents need to get together and talk to these kids about this and say, look, this can't, you know, this can't work. We can't begin this constant power struggle from three to five PM. Um, that's just not right for our family, you know, and they could even say, here's why. Um, so then that's a conversation. So s- kids, some of what you have to do, you have to self-motivate and why don't you create a chart of what you're gonna do. Um, this, we've got swim team you know, and theater on those days. So the chart would maybe be for the other days or before and after that and get the kids involved in creating a plan um, so that this doesn't all fall on mom and so that she isn't in this power struggle. So once they've created a plan, I think some things they can you know, add to the plan are, uh, if the mood is always like this, the child is nine. So this is a nine-year-old girl. It's possible that pu- pre-puberty has started. So it's possible that some of the mood swings are, are hormonal, right? They're related to hormone changes. So that's just good to know. It doesn't solve it, but it's good to know. Um, I, it's also possible that, that food or water, you know, that they should be brought into this. So the child comes home, what does the child need now for fuel? Is it protein? Who is this child? What does the child need? Definitely water. So just look, look at some of this chemically, um, and institute part of the plan to be sort of neurochemical, which is going to relate to food and water, um, and some patients with the mood swings, but also pointing out to the child, Hey, look, you might be hitting puberty you know, you're being kind of hard right now. And so be self-aware and help us out. Then the mom's self-care is really great. I'm so glad she does those Mm -hmm. things. So she's, she's self-aware and she has self-care. We want that for every parent, you know, be self-aware, have good self-care. So if, if it, if it's needed that the child, the children watch TV for a half hour, you know, okay. Um, okay. And that's built into the plan. And so that's when, and then they, they're, they're occupied while mom is doing self-care and doing other things they're occupied, but, but, you know, it's not going to be the whole two hours. And, and she's kind of saying that she doesn't want it to be the whole two hours. So it's a half hour part of the plan. The other hour and a half is, you know, doing homework, doing chores or what we call sacred work that's built into the plan. And, um, and if, if after that, you know, the plan is set, the plan is getting instituted, the children get the half hour of TV, you know, which is easy for them, for everyone, but they do these other things. They reach out in their relationships to other kids and they have play dates or, you know, all this kind of stuff. The plan is set. And if the kids are still resisting and still creating a lot of trouble, um, uh, then, you know, we're going to have to have consequences because um, because a family can't exist like this in this kind of power, struggle, and tension happily for very long. And so then, you know, I think the dad, of course, should be involved in this whole process and the other people have to be involved to support mom in that plan being instituted and to support the kids in fulfilling the plan and and knowing that there are going to be consequences if they don't fulfill this plan. That's kind of the direction of my thinking on it yeah
0: I think we need to always remember, uh, I know how I feel after I come home from a long day of work. Now, when I come home, I'm actually home, but after a long day of work, <laughs> you know, you're just tired, you're exhausted, you, you mentioned fuel. These kids have been probably sitting for hours, yeah,
1: unfortunately, yeah,
0: right. And their their brains are worn out. Um, they, they probably to, to have to think about anything, uh, is probably real difficult once you get off that bus or you get home from school. So we just need to start with understanding they're already worn out. They put in their work day, and they're coming home, and then we're expecting. Got to get your chores done. You got to get your homework done. Uh, so so that first half hour, forty minutes seems to me to be really crucial in terms of giving kids. You you like to talk about brain breaks in the classroom setting, seems like we need a brain break right after we get home from school and just change gears for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned some of that, uh, transition
1: time. Yeah. yeah,
0: Food being one, um, uh, you know, something healthy. Um, what are some other ways that we give kids sort of a brain break after say six, seven hours of sitting in the classroom?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. And my, that's sort of my use of the TV there was let the TV be the rest state. Um, mm. You know, the the brain kind of goes to wants to go to a rest state, right in order to recharge. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this in podcasts quite a bit. And, and, and the TV could be that rest state or could be like what you're calling a brain break, you know, where the brain does get a break. And, and the transition time, between school and home is going to be part of that break. Um, could be driving, could be on a bus, you know, there's a half hour or something there, an hour, depending on locations. So there's some break there um, uh, and relating time there with other kids. And then, okay, half hour of TV or 40 minutes of TV. There's a, That's the a rest state. They can zone out. They go to the rest state and then, you know, they're recharged and they, do their other activities. I, I, my, my kind of, I guess I have a both and view of that. I mean, I, I, uh, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right that they, they need a break and, um and they don't need a two hour break. Right. You yes, know? right. So it's like, okay, what's the middle ground here? Um, so if the, if parents can give their own version of that, like parents listening to this might say, well, we, our kids don't watch TV. Okay. So if they don't watch TV, then then fair enough. It won't be TV, but something goes there for the rest date that fits with this family. Uh, maybe they take walks. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they just put on your phones and listen to music, whatever is the brain break, the kids get that break. And then they're, you know, then they're back at it doing sacred and important things. And uh, a nine-year-old may not have a lot of homework, but probably has a little. So mm-hmm. some homework can go there. Uh, if that's the time that parents have a portion and you're also going to say, you're so right that if the parents say, okay, it's three o'clock, you're just home from school. It's three o'clock. Go do your homework. Right. That's generally an error because, um, not always, but generally because the child hasn't gotten food and water. So the brain doesn't have the neurochemical recharge. Um, and the child hasn't taken a brain break or gone to a rest state. Uh, so I would like them to wait a while, but I just would hate to see the parents wait two hours.
0: Uh, and we talked a little bit about movement and unless the kids are walking home from school, um, they, they really do spend a lot of time just sitting. Uh, schools have, uh, some schools are bringing back recess time. Uh, they've discovered how important that is, but some schools still don't really have a lot of it. So what are some creative ways to get our kids moving, um, in ways that they might enjoy um, you know, I, I understand sitting there, but you know, to, to get energy, you need to give energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to move. How, how can we help our kids move a little bit more, uh, in somehow in that two hours between getting home and dinner? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, it's this, this mom says a very interesting thing that can help answer that. She talks about how, well, I have these activities I do, right. right? And these are activities that she's doing. Um, uh, and like I go for a quick walk um, and, and uh, she listens to music and then she says her kids are resistant to that. Well, OK, but some of those are good. And, and heck with you if you're resistant, like the walking. <laughs> OK, it's yeah. like, hey, you're nine years old. You and I are going to go for a walk and we're going to talk while we walk. Mm. Um, I want to hear about your day. And um, uh, but we're going to walk and talk. So uh, peripatetic, right? Walking and talking. Yeah. And we're going to do that for 10 minutes, let's say, or 15 minutes or whatever it is. Um, and, and the child can share. The child can relate. The child's moving. There's a relationship going back and forth. And the child is moving, um, doing, doing things together, doing chores um, that involve movement. Yeah. so you know taking the garbage out I mean all, all, all of these things a lot of the vacuuming a lot of these chores involve movement um, and then getting the kids into an after-school exercise cycle if they're not doing sports um, what these kids are they're doing swim team twice a week yep and they have theater one day so theater and swim team actually will have movement but for the other uh, for the other days um, they can come home and get on the exercise bike or mm-hmm. take a run or or something that involves physical movement and that is Added into the plan, um, and that becomes sacred. It becomes a sacred ritual, and they always are doing that. So, so I, I would definitely protect the movement. Uh, and I think you're right, and it should go into the plan. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, there's
0: there's three components so far we've mentioned. One is th- the kids do need a rest break of some sort, a brain mm-hmm. break. They need fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I look at my uh, at at my grandkids, for example. And all of them have lunch at between ten thirty and eleven in the morning. You know, so they've had breakfast just a few hours before that. Then they have lunch at ten, yeah, ten thirty or eleven, and then they come home at three o'clock and they're starving. Right. And um, I think you know, we as parents just to be ready for that and understand that part of their low energy is going to be that they need fuel and uh, something really healthy that gives fuel uh, you know, Halloween candies, probably not, uh, on the, on the Gurian list <laughs> no, uh, for refueling. <laughs> um, so, so we, we, you know, we, we need some brain break, we need fuel, and then we need some movement, uh, for kids. Um, let's talk a little bit about, cause kids, I know kids do have homework and, uh, you know, I was just talking to my grandson the other day and, uh, he was really tired. And I said, why are you so tired? Well, I had to do my math and I didn't get to bed till 10 o'clock. Well, why did you start it so late? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's one of the things we as parents want to do is we want to get our kids to do their homework. Uh, and I learned this; I didn't learn this until college, that I was much better off getting my homework done as much of it before dinner as possible, so that I have the rest of the night free while my friends are sitting doing their homework. We're out having some fun, um, enjoying the evening. Whatever is is there sort of a, a formula that you would use for parents as to when they break all these things they need to do and when they should restart get get at their homework
1: well i, I th- this is going to be individualized to the child right. I, I in terms of the plan i mean i think the plan of of kids especially at 9 years old she won't have a lot of homework if she does that's another issue yeah, <laughs> we got to right. talk to the school about that because she ought, they ought to, she ought to be doing most of her homework in school but um if so at 9 she'll have a half hour maybe of homework i don't know something like that so if it's that, the, we can put that into the plan. And I like the idea of getting that done before dinner. Let's say they eat dinner at between five and six, mm-hmm. getting that done before dinner. But we wanna say that, that, oh, and a reason I like it is that the brain eats, right? Like we've just mm-hmm. said, and it does the brain break and all that. So it's fresh, right? It's recharged. And so yep. why not do the homework now? Uh, if you wait till 9 p.m., the brain is just not as awake. Right. Right. It's not it's not going to do the homework as well. And it's not going to do the homework as fast. So if the kid wants to get the homework done fast, you know, better, uh, which most kids do better to do it at a time like that, better, more brain friendly. But there are going to be some kids who are like night owls. And this is especially yes. as they get a little older than nine. And their brains actually are going to do their homework better at nine or 10. So we want to put that caveat in there that every parent should kind of watch their child's brain. But I would say in the majority of cases for a nine-year-old, yes, it would be better to have that homework happen somewhere in that four range or somewhere in there in the plan um, uh, after the rest date, after the Fuel after some movement, uh, after some relating time to reconnect with mom and others, Mm -hmm. you know, and then let's do the homework and get it done before dinner. Something like that. Yep, I know of families and maybe this was, you know, back
0: in the old, old days, but I think there are still some families that do this. They have a a puzzle uh, set out on a table. And uh, the family just works on it as they walk by, or maybe mm. they have a chess game set up. And every once in a while, they'll take turns making chess moves, just little things uh, to distract, to give the brain something else to do throughout the day uh, that keeps them engaged as well. Let's, let's move this discussion up a few years. Now you've mm-hmm. got 13-, 14-, 15-year-olds, similar issues. Um, they maybe are getting home a little bit earlier. Sometimes here, at least, uh, the junior high and high school gets out a little bit earlier. Um, so you've got maybe from 2.30 till five or six whenever you eat. How do we handle our kids who are teenagers who are far more independent than say our seven, eight and nine-year-olds?
1: Yeah, well, we still we still need a plan. Like if it's a power struggle like this, even if they're 15, okay, we we still can't, you know, parents... And kids can't live in that kind of power struggle for a long, long time. So they still need to create the plan. Um, But there's going to be a lot more self-motivation in the plan because the 15-year-old is more independent. And that's great. Let the 15-year-old lay out the plan that fits and be self-motivated in the plan. And I think a a big thing is going to be digital. So at that age, like with the nine-year-old, digital and screen time is not as big a deal, uh, right? But but in this day and age, if we're talking about a 14 or 15-year-old, we parents are going to have to be vigilant to help them to not rely just on the screen from two 30 to five. Right. And then they're probably after dinner going to go back on a screen from seven to nine or seven to 10. Um, that I think is going to be the biggest vigilance with, mm. with parents of the 15 year old now. So the plan, the digital kind of good digital family citizenship has to be worked into this plan. And, um, as they develop the plan, they have to be talking about, okay, how much of this stuff you're going to do now from two thirty to five is going to be on the screen. Did you already do six hours at school? Mm-hmm. Might have if so, then, Oh, you know, um, uh, we're going to have to plan this out too with you, your digital time. And, uh, and you know, we'd rather you went over to, uh, Judy's house to go play and to go talk. We don't do that. If you can't avoid it, don't do that via text. You know, mm-hmm. go relate and let's work that in. Um, uh, form relationships, grandma, grandpa, you know, spend some of that time in relationship. And if they're not doing anything athletic, well, got to get off the digital, and we got to put in that plan an hour of exercise in that 2.30 to 5 o'clock time, mm. especially now that they're teens. Oh, my gosh. You know, they got to get that hour to two hours of exercise. Um, so I actually think that that's going to be the biggest vigilance mm-hmm. um, for teens now. And and obviously, if we start our kids
0: earlier, uh, the transition into those teen years can be a, a little less... Traumatic because they're the kids are used to okay, mom and dad, or mom, dad, they have this plan. We always know that we have these three things that are happening right after we get home from school we get a brain break, we eat, we exercise. So once they're hit teenage years, they're in some sort of a rhythm. That doesn't mean they aren't going to push back on that. They and yeah. uh, none of my friends do that. And boy, you're mean. Um, so, you know, we've all been there. That's the ancient um, part of parenting teens has always been there. Um, now let's, so, you know, we've got all this happening and yet we always have sort of hanging over this whole discussion, the overscheduled kid. Uh And, uh, how do we build margins into the lives of our kids so that they're able to do these things, you know, be good students, do some extracurricular exercise, eat well. That's a lot of stuff we're asking of kids. And of course, parents. (laughs) <laughs> we're the ones who have to sort of make sure it's happening in their lives. How do we do all of that with balance?
1: Well, I think the way we'll know, if, first of all, the way we'll know if, if it's happening with balance is that the power struggle won't exist now, mm. um, you know, or it'll be, it'll be vastly diminished. Um, so the, so the r- routines and rituals are working and the kids have morphed them, right? The kids are going to morph that plan to fit them. Um, Uh, and, and, but we're going to know that's working because they don't hassle us. Like this mom is constantly getting hassled and, and she isn't sort of left out where they're saying, well, we're not going to do what you do. You're right. And all of that, that, that stuff, uh, will be pretty much gone or -hmm. very much diminished. And that's how we're going to know. So that's what we're going to work toward, and that means, yeah, we're we they do need to morph this. The kids do get a say in this. They plan it out, and then and it does evolve. And um, if there comes a time when you know, like we'll use this nine year old. You know, she's twelve, uh, let's say, and things are shifting around, and now she's no longer you know, needs the TV as the rest state because she's doing something else for the rest state. Yeah, right. It evolves. The thing evolves. Or she's now in a sport. So she's getting the athletics. So she doesn't need, you know, um, as much of this planned, uh, uh, you know, activity or planned physical Mm -hmm. activity. And then gradually she's saying, after she's instituted the plan and we've seen she can institute the plan, which she helped create, you know, gradually she pushes back and says, "Ah, I feel overscheduled. And then we go, oh, okay. And so then we help cut something out. Yeah. Um, so, so you're right about overscheduling. I don't think that this sort of latchkey plan, you know, this three to five plan, I don't think it will be overscheduled if the kids help create it. Right. Um, I don't think it will be. Uh, but I'm so glad you brought that up because overscheduling is also bad for the brain. It really is. That yeah. mul- what we call multitasking stress. That's really, really tough on the brain. So thanks for bringing that yeah.
0: up. Yeah. So um, one of the things that she mentioned, uh, and I'm, I'm going to assume you think this is pretty adequate, the ch- kids are sleeping from about 8.30 in the m- evening until 6, 6.30 in the morning. Sleep is a really important part of the growing up years, especially as they move into their those teen years. And we know from a lot of research that our kids are increasingly sleep deprived. Oh, yeah. S- some of that sneaking screens into their rooms yep. at yep. night. Um are, uh, I know that there's a lot of good research that says adults should take 20 to 30 minute naps every day, which most of us don't, um, are naps or I, we talked about the the brain resetting with TV. What about naps or quiet times, uh, for kids? Are those, can these be helpful or oh, yeah. could it, it, could it, uh, make it more difficult for them to sleep at night?
1: Oh, uh, no. Quiet time is great. You know, meditation, mindfulness time, quiet time, solitude in nature, Um, all of those are great. Uh, so I love, love quiet time. And, and in terms of, uh, the sleep, if a child takes quiet time, that should not affect the sleep, right? If the child were to sleep between three and five, okay, that's going to, and we don't know, we don't really need that unless the child has a disability or something that requires that. So it is smarter to stay with this nine to 10 hours of sleep at night. Um, because what she described, you're right, 8.30, let's say it's 8.30, 6.30, that's 10 hours. That's great yep. for a nine-year-old to get yep. that. Now, as this child gets older, it's going to maybe move you know, from 8.30 to 9 or 9.30, yep. right? Um, and and then we hope the child will be able to sleep into, say, seven. That'll depend on school schedules. Um, so we want to target nine hours for sure, and if the child can get more, great. But always be thinking, parents, nine hours of sleep, want to target that for brain health for this kid. And, um, and we'd like that nine hours of sleep to be at night because of the way that sleep cycles go in ram and all of that. Um, But if the child needs a nap, great. Let the child take a nap, just not hugely long. And the way you can monitor it is if that nine hours at night gets changed because the child's napping. And so now the child's having sleep problems at night and then, okay, then we take that away because we really need those, those nine hours at night. But yeah. quiet time, that's that's a wonderful part, you know, of the ritual.
0: Probably both of us would say this, but I'll speak for myself as a parent. As I look back now, my kids are fully grown. I've got grandkids. Um, you know, the oldest now is 13, the youngest is 7, so I we're seeing them move through those periods of life. And if there's any wisdom I've gained in perspective and of unfortunately you usually gain this wisdom when you're older right (laughs) through trial and error is that in the end what we want for our children is to experience joy and to experience childhood and to not be so overly scheduled Mm -hmm. and so overly focused on rituals and all these things that they just miss out on being kids and so that And maybe a better word than balance is harmony. You know, how do we bring harmony to our kids as they're growing so that they're doing the things they love to do? We're pushing them to try new things, uh, but not so hard that if they really hate it, you know, it becomes horrible for them. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, all of this stuff that we're talking about really is a part of forming our kids to thrive, to live with joy, uh, to be able to be kids. Um, and uh, and to experience as much of life as possible, and and uh, it's some, uh, sometimes it comes down to little basics like that: fuel, mm-hmm. movement, and rest in the midst of all the busyness. And and so I think your your insights have been very very helpful today.
1: Mm, and thank you, well, you too. Thank you for saying that because we we don't want to ever lose track of the joy. And and I, let me let me just add that as parents are trying to help their kids have joy and have childhood that um, there, well, that there's two primary ways to think about it. There are more than two, but in the context of this, some of the joy comes from the child, just being able to live, as you say, from mm-hmm. three to five, right. And to be able to just explore from three to five, let's say. And, and another part of the joy is going to come because the child has a structure set up in which the child can not only, you know, complete these tasks and and get joy in that, but also just have joy in exploration. Um, But, but meanwhile, not be having to deal with all of the anger and frustration that cuts away their joy because the kid may not realize it, but they're, they're spending two hours in a constant conflict Mm. uh, with mom and, and, they can't get joy from that. Right. I mean, not only can mom not get joy, but those kids are not getting joy. You know, they're yep. always fighting and they're always frustrated. So, so you've pointed out something really great that the structure we use the we use a reasonable structure uh, to help with these problems. Yep, and and we create a structure that's going to ultimately give them joy. Right. I'm glad you said that. Yep.
0: Well, Michael, thank you. As always, it's good stuff. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. Hey, if you've got friends who are parents and they've not heard of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, send them our way. You can learn more at wonderofparenting.com or you can go to Facebook and do a quick search of Wonder of Parenting. Join our group. A lot of good questions to ask there. A lot of great insights from parents just like you. And we look forward to being with you next time for the Wonder of Parenting podcast, A Brain Science Approach to Parenting.